Good morning, church. My name is Derek, and we are in the middle of a series of teaching messages. Today is number four out of seven in a series that we are calling More Than a Building because church is more than a building. Church is uh, not just a time slot. Church is not an event. Church is not a program. Church is not a building. Uh, but we have been thinking about, and we will continue thinking about, the fact that church is people, God's people gathered together, joining in God's mission of, of love to the world. And so um, we are in the midst of our series called More Than a Building. Why a series? Why do we do our teaching in a series? Um, and, and I want to think this through a little bit, and this is important. You know, we could learn each and every Sunday, right? So whether you see the whole series or hear all the messages or not, each Sunday we're going to open God's word and uh, by the power of the Spirit, we're going to learn from God's Word each and every Sunday. So, so in that sense, a series isn't necessary, but we often teach in a series, and here's why. Because we either are teaching through a book of the Bible, or in this case, we're teaching through a topic, and we're all going to get more out of it. We're all going to learn more when we hear the full story, right? When we, when we are here for the study of the whole book of the Bible, or in this case, when we're here for uh, each uh, topic in this series, as we consider what is the local church, what is our church, uh, what is Faith Church to be all about. And so I mentioned that specifically this morning because uh, our sermons are available on, uh, on the website, uh, faithchurchdallas.org. If you ever miss a sermon, you're welcome to go there. And usually I only mention that our sermons are available online when I'm giving you suggestion. If you have insomnia, you have trouble sleeping, you need something to listen to to put you to sleep, then go to our website and listen to the sermons, right? But I'm going to go a step further this morning and say, no, I think, I think it's often worthwhile to track with us on the full series. And so if, you, if you're not able to be with us each and every Sunday, which I would love to see, uh, you can certainly catch up by, by listening there. And, and I mentioned that this morning because the first three in our series that are already uh, in the past now really fit together, uh, connected together closely. And so they would be best understood all together. And then today we're kind of shifting gears into uh, a new segment, a new uh, uh, aspect within the series. And I'll talk about that more later. But um, because church is more than a building, we've been using this phrase that faith church is a family of growing Jesus followers who are on mission together. And so that's what we've been looking at the last three weeks is uh, when the series started, we emphasized the mission part of that phrase on the screen, that we as followers of Jesus join in God's mission of spreading his love to the world, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And then the week after that, we emphasized the part of that phrase up there about being about growing in Jesus, about that as followers of Jesus, we don't just arrive. We don't just become followers of Jesus and that's it, but that we continue to follow Jesus and grow in Jesus and be transformed by him. And then last week, Pastor Ed talked about the uh, family aspect of that phrase on the screen, the importance of being in community with other followers of Jesus so that we can care for one another and serve uh, one another. So this morning, though, uh, we're going to shift gears and today and the following three weeks, uh, we're going to look at uh, another aspect of, of how the New Testament teaches us, how the New Testament portion of our Bible teaches us uh, to consider and to look at what is church. And, and as we, and we're more than a building, what is church? 
So as we get started this morning, I want to tell you uh, something fun real quick. Uh, one of the most fun parts of being a dad for me in these current weeks and months is that I get to have a part in helping to coach my daughter Mia's seventh grade basketball team. So along with my buddy Tom and I, we coach a group of uh, 10, 11 seventh grade girls. And, uh, and it's fun to report that last weekend, uh, the Dallas Dynamite seventh grade girls were the Banks Tournament champions for second year in a row. <laughs> Super fun. And there's at least three or four of our players are here at church this morning, so that's fun. And, uh, and this has been a blast for Tom and I coaching our daughters, having fun. They're a great group of girls, and, uh, and they're fun to be around, and they're pretty good at basketball, too. So, so last weekend, they got to take this picture, and, and you can see what they're doing in the picture, right? What, are they do? what is this all about? What does this mean? We're number one, at least for that weekend, four games, four wins. We're number one, right? We're the tournament champs. We got first place. Uh, we're number one. And I think some of you are aware that there's a game this afternoon where a couple of teams are going to try to figure out who's number one as well, right? And somebody at the end of that game is going to get to do this whole thing. We're number one. We, we took first place. Well, um, well, as we're in this series of, of, of messages called More Than a Building, and as we're considering what is the church, what are we to be as God's people gathered together in our local church, Faith Church, as we're thinking about this, I want this to be our question this morning too. As individual followers of Jesus and as a church family, who's number one? Well, what are we all about? Who has first place in my life, in your life, who has first place uh, in the life of our church family. So grab your Bible. If you don't already have it out, pull out your Bible. Love you to bring your Bibles to church each Sunday, whether it's a, a paper Bible or your favorite digital Bible uh, on your device. Open up to Colossians chapter 1, and in a moment we'll start at verse 13. So Colossians chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 13. You can use the table of contents or whatever. It's toward the back of your Bible. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then you'll find Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. And as you get there, let me pray for us. Father God, we come to you now as we open your word and want to hear from you. God, we need you. Father, Heavenly Father, I'm reminded more than ever this morning that I, I bring nothing to this process. That there's nothing of my own abilities or efforts that are going to be part of, of teaching your, your word here this morning. And God... Uh, for others to hear this morning that are hurting, that, that feel we have nothing to bring to the table. God, I pray that, that we would look to you for all we need. God, we thank you that we don't have to earn or match up to receive your love, to receive salvation. We thank you that you are a God who loves while we are still in sin, while we are hurting, that you are a pursuing God who comes after us. So God, we thank you for sending your son to live, die, and be raised again so that we can have new life. So as we look to you now, as we open your word, God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open, that your spirit would move and teach us what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 13. This is actually the last couple of verses at the end of my sermon a couple of weeks ago, the last time we were together or with me preaching, we looked at Colossians chapter 1, this prayer at the beginning of the letter, and then we're going to continue on from there. So here's where we left off, verse 13. See how this strikes you. 
He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, rescue, the forgiveness of sins. How's that strike you? Good news, church family? God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. The gospel that we, that we proclaim every Sunday here, that, we, that the Bible proclaims that we exist for, the gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So we, as followers of Jesus, become proclaimers of that good news, proclaimers of the excellencies of him who called us out of the darkness and into the light. We've looked at that verse uh, a few times recently that's on the screen. We, as followers of Jesus, become proclaimers of the excellencies of Jesus because he has called us out of the dark and into the light. Who is it that we proclaim? What are those excellencies about him? Let's keep reading in our passage. Verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister." So that's the passage we want to take a little closer look at now. The glory of Christ. This is one of the the most beautiful passages in Scripture that talks of of the glory of who Jesus is and, 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 and the place he is to have in our lives and in the life of our church family. So let's take a closer look and go back to verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. This is incredible right there that Jesus makes visible for us what is invisible. Our invisible heavenly father, the great and mighty God who is everywhere, who knows all things, who is all powerful. The the invisible God becomes visible in Jesus Christ. The, The greatness of God is made known to us in Jesus And then verse 15 says he is the firstborn of all creation. And this is not to talk about Jesus as having having a beginning, not thinking of birth in that way. But in this case, the firstborn of all creation here, the emphasis is, is that Jesus as firstborn has the rights and privileges that go with being the firstborn son. And in this case, when you are the son of the almighty God, ruler of everything, 
you as son inherit that ruling sovereignty. So this is, this is what it, God's word is proclaiming about Jesus, that, that he as firstborn son is, is heir, will inherit ruling sovereignty. Verse 16, for by him, for by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. We don't often think of Jesus this way. When we think about the scope of our Bible and we think about the story from the front to the back of the Bible, we often think of Jesus as having arrived later. Friends, Jesus was present in Genesis chapter 1. Jesus was present. He is the agent of all creation. He is the creator. Jesus did not begin with his human birth. He has eternally existed as a member of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is, the Bible just teaches us there in verse 16, Jesus is the agent of creation, the one who creates, and he is the goal of creation. Everything that is, is for his honor and his praise. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. Not only creator, not only is Jesus creator of all things, but this verse tells us that he is the sustainer. Not only is he creator, not only did he bring things about, but everything continues, everything holds together, everything is sustained because of the life and activity of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 says this about Jesus, that he upholds the universe, creator and sustainer. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Here's what we want to take a look at today. When we think about who are we as the church, what is the church? It's more than a building. Here's the glimpse that we're going to focus a little bit on today. Verse 18, that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that, that in everything he might be preeminent. Let's stop there and focus there for a minute. That in everything Jesus might be preeminent. What's this word mean? Preeminent means superior, surpassing, beyond all things. That the, 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 the Bible says here in verse 18 that Jesus is to be uh, in, that in everything, Jesus is to be preeminent, that he is to be surpassing, that he is to be superior, that he is to be beyond all others. And so what does that look like in our life is an important place to stop here as we consider the glory of Jesus, the Son of God, the Rescuer, the Savior, come to be with us and come to save us. That he must be preeminent in everything. He must be in first place. When we ask the question about us and our church family, who's number one? When we say who's number one in your life, in my life, in the life of this church family, Jesus is to be preeminent in everything. So we need to consider, is Jesus in first place in our life and in all aspects of our life? As we consider different things that we're involved in, different people that we know and relate to, let's take a moment and ask God to show us here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a, uh, from a list from a book that I studied this week in preparing for this passage where, where the commentator says, 
if Jesus is to be preeminent in everything, then we need to ask, is Jesus preeminent? Is he superior? Is he surpassing? Is he in first place in all these areas? Is Jesus number one in your family? Is Jesus preeminent in your marriage? Does Jesus have first place in your profession or or, or in, in, in what God has given you to do each day, whether paid or unpaid? Is God number one? What about in ministry as you serve one another in the church? Is Jesus preeminent? Who has first place in our thinking, in our love for one another? Who's number one in the way we spend our time and who we spend our time with? Who has first place in the conversations we find ourselves in? Remember verse 18 says that in everything, Jesus is to be preeminent. Is he superior in the things you do for pleasure? Is, is, is he the surpassing greatness even as you're eating, as you're playing, as you're involved in sports? Is he number one as you consider what to watch on television and what music to listen to? Who's in first place as we gather to worship, as we lift our eyes, as we consider what's most important in our life and what we, what we look to, what we worship? In everything, Jesus is to be preeminent. Why? Why preeminent? Why first place? Why should Jesus have first place? Because of the good news that we've talked about earlier, right? Because of the good news, the gospel that is sinful, rebellious, fallen, broken people like you and me, able to be in relationship, to be friends with, to be adopted as his kids by the great God of the universe. Why should Jesus be preeminent? Because the good news is that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because of what he's done, not because of what we do, because of what Jesus has done, he is to be preeminent. Verse 19, for in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus, the God-man, the Son of God, fully God and fully man. Verse 19 says that all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. In verse 20, and through Jesus, he reconciles to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross, because the cross is the pivot point of all human history. The cross is where, is where God did that work that we just described, where you and I, broken and sinful and in rebellion, can be made right, can be connected to a holy and perfect, mighty God. The cross is the pivot point of all human history. It's at the cross where Jesus makes it possible for us to know him, and not just to know him, to be called his friends, and not just to be called his friends, to be adopted into his family and called his children. Verse 21, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, restored, made right by the flesh of his, by, in his flesh, by his death, 
in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus, Jesus must be first place. Right, friends? When we ask the question, who's number one? When we ask the question, who's in charge around here? When we ask the question, who has first place in your life, my life, and in the life of our church, Jesus must be number one because life is found in Jesus. Do you believe that? Jesus must be number one because life is found in Jesus. God's love, his grace, his mercy, forgiveness comes to us through his son, through the God-man Jesus. So I said that our, our first three sermons that, that we already have, have talked through in this series were connected. And today and the next three are connected. And here's how they're connected. Today and, and in the following weeks, what we're going to consider here from God's word is, is a metaphor for the church that we see multiple places in our New Testament part of our Bible of, of this comparison, this metaphor comparing the church, the people of God, to the human body. This picture that you may have heard this before and you may have studied this before, but I'm going to ask God today and in the coming weeks to really bring this alive for us, to help us consider what God do you have to teach us as you show us this comparison, this metaphor, comparing the church, the people of God, our local church, faith church, followers of Jesus that make up our church family, what are we to learn from this metaphor that compares us as parts of the church family to the parts of the body? What does God want to teach us through that? And today, the thing we want to in particular look at is uh, who leads God's church? We want to, today, as we consider the body metaphor, if we, the church, are to be compared with the human body, we want, to first, we, want, we want to start today by going, who's in charge around here? As we come together as a family, as we are a church, as we are a family, and, and, and we look to God's word and this body metaphor, what, is, what are we learning about who's in charge around here? Well, if verse 18 reminded us that Jesus is to be preeminent in everything, and that certainly applies here, doesn't it? Does that apply in our church family? Does that answer the question for us of who's in charge around here? If Christ is to be preeminent in everything, verse 18 tells us he is the head of the body. Jesus, one of these ways that Jesus is preeminent, one of the ways he is first place in everything is in verse 18 that he is the head of the body. The church, if we, faith church, are the church, the head of the body is who? Right on. Who's in charge around here? I think we could actually answer that, you know, in various ways, and, and we could give various answers to who's in charge around here, and there would be aspects of those various answers that would be true. But at the end of the day, first and foremost, Jesus is in charge. The Bible teaches in verse 18, he is the lone head of the body. Did he mention multiple heads? Jesus is the lone head of the body, the church. So first and foremost, Jesus is in charge. And I think when it comes to being a church family, sometimes we, we accidentally take, uh, 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 we look to the world around us. We know church to be people. We are learning that church is a family. But there are aspects of our church that, are, that are, 
that have an organizational feel. There are ways that we need to be practical and organized and lead and have a plan. And, and, and unfortunately, when we go to be, figure out what it is to be a church family and how to organize ourselves and how to lead ourselves, we might accidentally look too much to the norms of our culture and how leadership and governing is done around us. But friends, we just studied Colossians 1, and I put forward to you that the church is way more a Christocracy than a democracy. Jesus is in charge. Way more a Christocracy than a democracy. And here's something a little cheesy, but I think it's helpful for me. We like titles. We want to know who's in charge. I say, let's give Jesus the title senior pastor. Is that how we want it to be around here? Do we want this to be a Christocracy? Do we want Jesus to be preeminent in everything? Then he's senior pastor because that's really good with me. I, I, I got here and I asked to be called lead pastor because I am one of, of multiple pastors. I am one of multiple elders that lead our church. I am one of multiple followers of Jesus that are Holy Spirit-empowered ministers of the gospel. Who's in charge around here? Jesus is senior pastor. Jesus is the head of the body. And so I want to take a few minutes now to talk a little practically as a church family. We've, we've considered Colossians 1, the glory of Christ, that, that we exist so that he gets all the glory. Amen? We've studied Colossians 1 and said he is to be preeminent in every area of our life. And we're saying that for today's purposes in a series of messages about what the church is, that we're more than a building. Today we're saying who's in charge around here? Jesus is. Because of Colossians 1. And so now I want to, I want to be practical for a few minutes and just think together and, and, and explain a little bit about how we operate as a church family and, and how we go about putting this in action of, of making Jesus senior pastor. Some of you know, uh, perhaps you don't, that our church, Faith Church, is part of an association nationwide, globally, called the Evangel... Uh, sorry. <laughs> The EFCA, or the Evangelical Free Church of America. Our full name is Faith Evangelical Free Church because we are part of an association of churches, proudly, gladly, part of an association of churches that are like-minded, that, that have a focus on glorifying God in the world. And so we're, we're uh, gladly and willingly a part of this association of churches nationwide, worldwide, called the Evangelical Free Church of America. And one of the values... Um, we, we share our theology with the EFCA, are the things we hold to be true about the Bible and about God, we share with the EFCA. But also, something that's also true of the EFCA that is a value of the EFCA and therefore a value of ours is the way we govern ourselves. And EFCA churches are, uh, are governed in what you would call a congregational form of government. And what that means is that we are an autonomous church, a self-governing church. So there are, other, there are some churches who have an association or an umbrella of churches that they're associated with, but where that association tells each local church what to do, how to go, who should be in charge, that kind of thing. Not us in the EFCA. We value congregational government. The people of God here, our official members, uh, are our ultimate governing authority. And, and uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about why that is, but ultimately, uh, it's a value of the EFCA that we are an anonymous, uh, anonymous, not anonymous, we're an autonomous church, self-governing, uh, responsible to 
to govern ourselves and organize ourselves and lead us forward as we honor God, follow him and his mission to make him, to have Jesus receive all the glory. So if this is a Christocracy, and if Jesus is the senior pastor, then, then don't you as God's people need to know what Jesus wants? If the congregation is the ultimate level of authority, and we want Jesus to be senior pastor, isn't it important then that you and I as followers of Jesus, as members of Faith Church, know how to seek the will of Jesus? Right? This will be important. This is why we are a congregational form of government, because we believe, and the EFCA believes, that the, that the will of God, that Jesus' direction for our local church is best discovered, is best discerned by the collective discernment, the collective seeking of God of his people. And so, therefore, in congregational government, the congregation is, is the, the highest governing authority under Jesus— uh, in the local church. And why? Why, why biblically? You know, why do we think of, of congregational government as we study our, study our Bibles? Here's a couple of things I'll, I'll show you. First uh, is something called the priesthood of all believers. We already looked at this verse earlier, 1 Peter 2, chapter nine, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We looked at this earlier, but look at the beginning. You, followers of Jesus, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, a royal priesthood. There's, there's multiple ways and places in the Bible that teach this idea that followers of Jesus are, um, have direct access to God. That's good news, right? In the Old Testament... If you were, a, if you were a, a following God in the Old Testament, you needed someone else to kind of mediate on your behalf. If you wanted to talk to God, you went to a priest who talked to God. If you wanted to give a sacrifice to God, you gave your sacrifice to the priest who gave it to God. We needed someone in between us. And so there were these certain spe special set-aside priests. But come Jesus, and Jesus opening access to God directly, we see this idea in Scripture of each follower of Jesus having direct access to God. So there's this idea of the priesthood of all believers. You don't need a mediator. You don't need someone to seek God for you. You, followers of Jesus with spirit in you, have direct access to God and can hear from him. Amen? And if you can hear from him and you can ask him to show you as you follow him and as you submit to the glorious lordship of the senior pastor Jesus, if you, if, you can, if you can hear from him and if he can lead you, then, then you, uh, as a congregational form of government, have this significant responsibility. The members of Faith Church, those of you that are officially members of Faith Church, followers of Jesus who are committed to our church family, have this immense responsibility to seek God's direction and ask to hear from him and then... And then you have the ability to, um, to guide this church in some specific ways. Um, how? how? How do you exercise um, that authority? What does congregational government look like here at Faith Church? Well, here at Faith Church, this is what congregational government looks like. You, the official members of, church, of Faith Church, God's people, uh, you have the final say in all these areas. 
Uh, you approve our elder team, our leadership team, who those uh, men are. You hire pastors with your vote to approve the hiring of pastors. Um, the congregation, the, the congregation of members, um, has to approve any change to our constitution or bylaws. Anybody really excited right now? <laughs> okay. If it, starts to get, if it starts to feel a little boring, it's okay. Okay, but this is important. Let's just think back to Colossians 1. Jesus preeminent, right? That in everything he is to be preeminent, superior, surpassing. And if he is to be preeminent in all things, that includes in our church family. Amen? So these details that I'm just sharing with us that are important about how we operate and how we function and how we lead ourselves are part of what we want to learn from this body metaphor. If, if we are the body and we are the parts of the body and Christ is head, what does that look like? That's why we're doing some of these details. So you, as the congregational government, have this final say on leaders, pastors, the Constitution. You pass our budget every year. If we were to make a major purchase, it requires congregational approval. So these are the ways that we are a congregational um, form of government. Now, I said we were going to talk about the body metaphor today and in a few weeks. So we're not going to get all of this in, in one day. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking about the idea of one body, many parts. One church family, you see before you one human body. We are one church family made up of many parts. You can see ear and nose and eyes and fingers, etc. We are one church family made one body made up of many parts. And we're going to take a closer look at that in the coming weeks. And, 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 and we're going to talk about how every part of the body is important. You've heard this before, but I want you to hear it. That every part of the body is important and critical to function. And some of us know this a lot better than others right now. Because the functioning organs and parts make for a healthy body, don't they? And when there's something not quite right, feels a little different, doesn't it? So in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea of one body, many parts, and that every part is needed and important, that, you, that every part is gifted by God to play an important role in the church family. Um, and, 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 you know, I... I tweaked my back, slept on it funny the other day. I, I get sore knees once in a while. So if I was really trying to analyze things right now, I'd have, I, my body has got a little bit of a limp, you know, a little bit of something going on. Anybody else? And our church family sometimes has a limp. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, I, uh, I'm sorry for those of you, the parents that have been affected, you know, almost today, and but other Sundays where we haven't been able to offer uh, children's ministry for a certain age group during one or the, or the worship gatherings or the other. Th this is an aspect where, where we're limping a little bit and where we're asking God to help us be one body, many parts. Um, so recapping, here's some important things as we wind down. What is the EFCA what do we value about the way we operate as a church family, about the way things are governed? Here are some things that, that we have as guidance from the EFCA. We have freedom under the Holy Spirit to govern our own affairs. That's a good thing. 
We have freedom under the Holy Spirit to govern our own affairs in accordance with the mind of Jesus and the word of God. Is that how we want to govern ourselves? Yeah. Uh, Another guideline about how we operate is their congregational form of government. We've talked about that, what that looks like, that that you have the final say, you're the highest authority uh, on all those things that I listed and probably more. Uh, congregate, uh, in, in the EFCA and, in, and at Faith Church, um, it is a value that the whole body, that every part is included in ministry. We want to dispel the holy man myth that ministry is done only by those that are standing up front or only those that are paid or only those that are elected in our church. No, it's priesthood of all believers. It's followers of Jesus are holy. Each follower of Jesus is a Holy Spirit-empowered minister of the gospel. Each of you is gifted and called to serve the church family and to glorify God out to our world. And so we want to be a church family where the entire body is, is active in ministry. And then this is a, a fourth um, distinctive of, of this kind of church government. Um, some parts, I, we said that there are one body, many parts, and that every part is important. Within that, some parts of the body are called to leadership roles. And we see this uh, also in scripture. We talked about the priesthood of all believers. We talked about congregational government. We talked about the importance of each and every part of the body. But we also see that there are those that are called and gifted to be leaders in a church family. And we see in Acts chapter six that you, God's people, choose those leaders, and we saw that in the congregational form of government, right, that you approve leaders and pastors. And so it's another distinctive of of EFC churches that we are congregational form of government who also entrust some of the daily, day-to-day, month-to-month leadership to our leaders. Congregation, ultimate authority and say on on, on these major things, and one of those major things being to entrust the day-to-day leadership to our leaders, to our team of elders, um, to our pastors and staff, etc. cetera. Uh, we see, what, what do we know about our elders, our leaders? We see in Hebrews chapter 13 is on the screen that we are to obey our leaders and submit to them. And at first that rubs us wrong in America to obey anybody, to submit to anybody. And who are these guys? Are they high and mighty? Are they power tripping? No, look. God's word says that we obey our leaders, our elders, and our pastors and submit to them because they are keeping watch over your souls. And they will have to give an account before God. Our elders have this responsibility of your spiritual oversight and nurture. They are called to shepherd, to care for God's people, to lead God's people, uh, to, to wa- keep watch over your soul, your spiritual health, and then to give an account to God for how our, our time and our leadership was used. First Peter 5 um, teaches us that the elders are under shepherds to the chief shepherd. Does that sound familiar from our Colossians 1 language? Who is senior pastor? Jesus. Who is chief shepherd? Jesus. And, our, and, then, and then within that, within a church family, we have under-shepherds who shepherd and nurture and care for the flock, the family of God, as under-shepherds to the chief shepherd. So, 
So in some ways, today was just really an introduction to this, this body metaphor. And we're going to take a closer look at that the next couple of Sundays. We are, as a church, a family of Jesus followers. We are, as a church, one body with many different parts. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the parts that you play. And we're going to talk in a couple more weeks about this interesting dynamic of congregational leadership and yet clearly defined God-given leadership roles within the church. And what are those for? So we're going to take a closer look at this. But here's where I want to leave you. You as followers of Jesus, and in particular the, the official members of Faith Church, have this significant responsibility as we guide our church, as we obey God, and as we look for his will into the future, you have this incredible responsibility. And so as you exercise your authority as a congregation in our direction and in obeying God and in glorifying him and in spreading his love and the good news of Jesus near and far, as you seek to play your role and, and, and exercise that authority, you need to know what Jesus wants from us, right? We need to know the mind of Christ. And so where I want to leave you this morning with that, immense, with that significant responsibility is I want to ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? How closely are you, are you walking with the living God? I'm not asking you when you first became a Christian last week or last year or 10 years ago. I'm asking today, February 3rd, 2019, how is your relationship with Jesus? Is he number one? Who has first place? Who is preeminent, superior, surpassing in all those areas that we talked about? Does Jesus have that place in your life? Are you submitted to him? Are you growing in him? Are you studying his word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you connected to a community of Jesus followers who you can care for and serve? And are you living out your faith in Jesus by taking his love and the good news of Jesus near and far? How is your walk with Jesus? Father God, we want you to be number one. Our lives tend to figure out ways to make us number one. We tend to spend our time thinking about how we can be in first place. But God, in these areas that we talked about in family and in friendships and in communication, in our conversation, in our thought life, in what we spend our time on, God, we want you to have first place. So we put ourselves before you. We look to you now. Father God, thank you for your word this morning in Colossians 1 and the reminder that you sent your son to rescue and forgive. God, we thank you that you don't leave us stuck in our sin and our darkness and our rebellion against you, but that you through Jesus have transferred us out of the darkness and into the light. We thank you, God, that in Jesus we are forgiven. We thank you because of his perfect life, substitutionary death, and victorious resurrection from the dead, that we too can have life. Father, we need you. We fall short. We put ourselves number one. Teach us to set ourselves aside. Teach us to learn and grow in you each day so that we might know what you have for us 
what you want us to do as followers of Jesus, what you want us as a church family to do. God, speak to us, we pray. So because of all that, because of your goodness to us, because of your love for us, because of Christ's rescuing sacrifice on the cross, we worship you now. May our lives just overflow with thankfulness for all you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.